Hey boss mama, my name is Laura Katanen, and my big dream is that mothers are valued as an asset in the business world with equal opportunities to pursue their dreams while showing future generations what is possible with the right mindset. I'm a dreamer and doer by nature who loves the challenge of bringing dreams to life and went from corporate change leader to entrepreneur, wife, and mom all around the same time. This brought on massive identity shifts which encouraged me to wake up and rethink everything I believed and valued about myself and life. By learning how to expand my mind, I was not only able to ignite my soul's purpose and passions, but also elevate my business and life in quantum leaps. I want the same for you, which is why I am here to talk about the mindset required to dream bigger and the simple steps you can take to bring your dreams to life so you can shine brighter sharing your remarkability, and making the impact in the world only you can. Besides getting vulnerable, sharing my personal journey, and lessons learned, I also interview pioneers paving a new way for all women. Even though women have orbited our planet as astronauts, there is still an unconscious cultural bias around mothers in the workforce, which is why it's time to start thinking differently about our power in the world. If this resonates with you, grab your headphone and your favorite beverage and let's dive into the topics that challenge and motivate us to have the right mindset and keep going despite the roadblocks and chaos around us as we juggle this thing called Boss Mama Life. Sending you love, light, and lots of imagination as we dive into our next episode. Hello, welcome back, Boss Mamas. I'm so excited to be here with you today because we get to talk all things empowerment. And I know all you Boss Mamas love the conversation of empowerment. We want our freedom. We want to feel empowered. We want to be able to live out our dreams. So I'm just so excited today to talk to our guest about her book and her empowerment formula. So with me today is Laura Brennan Ballet. She's a life empowerment coach and author of The Science of Empowerment, which is all about her J3 equals E model, which we'll dive into more today. And I'm just so excited about it. Hi, welcome, Laura. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This opportunity is amazing. I'm really feeling a lot of gratitude. So thank you. It's a pleasure and we share a name. So I, I that, that in numerology means something too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Super. Well, in the beginning, I always pull a card before I have a guest on and I ask about, you know, what is it? What's the message that needs to be shared either for the guest or, you know, the topic that we're talking about. And what's interesting is I pull from my favorite deck. So I have many, but my, my favorite happens to be the goddess guidance Oracle deck by Doreen Virtue. Um, and so today I pulled, are you familiar with that deck? Yes, I am. Okay, okay good. So <laughs> I pulled actually one of my favorite cards, um, the butterfly maiden. Oh. oh, this is so fabulous. <laughs> I was so <laughs> excited how hard you pulled for me <laughs> and it's the audience. Just, it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful card. I'll have to snap an image. Um, but it, it basically is talking about you are experiencing enormous change right now, which brings great blessings. And for anyone listening that is going through something that feels really hard, change is hard. 
But just like the butterfly, when it's in its cocoon and it's doing all the hard work, there's just this enormously beautiful result. So what does it bring up for you, Laura? Like, why is this card so perfect? Well, one of the key phrases that I use to describe when I'm speaking about the science of empowerment is always how transformative this book is. That is at the foundation of what the inspiration, the motivation, the passion, and the real purpose of writing and going through that journey of writing this book was all about the self-transformation from where we are into empowerment and that journey. And I really do feel um, when we are in the cocoon of life, our patterns, um, our collective behaviors, how we function through the day, we really find some comfortability in that cocoon. And the process and the challenge to break free and spread those wings is that transformation into empowerment. So, I mean, perfect card. It's really what the book is. I just love the metaphor of butterflies. And um, we all love butterflies anyways. They're beautiful and they're free and they're delicate, but they survive winds and storms and they're- And they travel long distances. Yes. They migrate incredibly long distances. Yes. Yes. And um, I just think the freedom of transformation is lost on like the mass population for various reasons. We either think it's too deep of a challenge. We have to give up too much to become something different. And it isn't. I I'm fully believe it's our birthright to transform many different ways all through kind of our life. And for some, you know, transformation is bigger. Yeah. than others. But um, for me, it's a, a, an amazing card. And I hope it's touching the hearts of um, your listeners, because I am a living example of it is never too late to transform. I am coming into all the beauty and the magic and the purpose at a time when most people would have given up. And I dug in even deeper to come out um, with this, this flight of transformation. And so it, it fits beautifully. That's amazing. I love so many things that you shared. Um, it's really so beautiful to hear how, you know, the book is all about transformation and that this is really what sparked your passion around it. And also that, you know, it's never too late. So let's dive in. Found Laura through the social movement. We're both part of this incredible opportunity to save the world in four days. And so I really am just so grateful for these connections. Um, but through this, and when I got to know her and I was doing my research, I was impressed because I discovered that she's working with her brother. And as somebody who has worked with my husband for several years, <laughs> I know firsthand that it's not such an easy journey. Well, at least it wasn't for us. I won't generalize, but I'm dying to know, and I'm sure everybody listening who might work with their family or be thinking about this, what did you discover? Like, what were the challenges? What were your aha moments, your biggest lessons learned about this process? And why did you guys even want to start working together? So... So a heartfelt shout out to my amazing baby brother, uh, James Christopher Brennan. He um, is a former uh, USA Olympic gymnastics coach. 
and the mindset and the discipline and the structure of creating Olympians and developing what is needed for that particular group of individuals to reach that elite level takes a very unique person to guide them. So with that, that gives you a little bit of an indication how strong my brother is of a human being. We both really grew up in this um, unique environment. We are not without distortion, disruption, chaos, drama, all the parts of life that we, a lot of us go through. We've had alcoholism and there's been a lot. So I'm not coming out and saying everything is perfect and I've always you know, been on this level. However, we had love and we had the support of our parents to really fly free in the discovery and the process of who we could become. And we faltered and backstepped many times. Uh, you know, he was away for 20 years traveling, you know, the state raising Olympians. And, you know, I stayed back in, you know, Connecticut. But we always had this unique connection, always. And when he moved from Florida back to Connecticut and started this neuromuscular training business, he used to say, sister, come on, I need you. I can't do this, you know, by myself. And we call each other brother, sister. It's never Laura and Chris, it's always brother, sister. And I was a little bit still mired down in what I'm going to you know, call dysfunction, my own stuff. And finally, one day, my wedding day, which happened much later in life, he was crying like a baby, worse than everyone else there, including the mother of the bride. And he just looked at me and he said, come on, it's time. And we started to really forge this very powerful um, purpose together on what I can learn from him and how I could help facilitate the part of him that I absolutely admired and respected, not solely as my brother, but as a human being. So that is one key that allows us to do what we do. We are able to remove a little bit of the pattern of brother and sister or husband and wife, or even partner to partner in relationship and really look at how can I serve this part of my team or this aspect of our partnership. And we do this by letting go of a lot of the emotion and the attachment and giving each other the space to, to grow while we're growing. And I think that's a really unique key um, for us as a brother and a sister team. And the, um, the, the whole inspiration behind everything that has to do with the science of empowerment came from my brother. So he really created these five principles and was always interested in the quantum fields of negative and positive energies. And then we started kind of growing and developing from there. And so the J3 equals E is comprised of five Jekyll principles. Jekyll, J-E-K-L is the acronym for the five principles and they each represent someone important to my brother. And the, the branding has two halos around it, which um, is our mother and father. So five principles and then the three is negative, positive, neutral. 
which energy are you equals E is empowerment. So you use the Jekyll principles, the choice of energy to become empowered. And you use this formula at every step throughout the day. And it absolutely fundamentally changes every experience. And that's a little bit of how wow. we're able to work together because we actually apply what I have written about and what he has created. We don't talk this, we are this. I think that's the biggest moment of clarity for my husband and I, what you just nailed as when you start actually practicing what you already know, like the practice is the discipline. That's the hardest part. And also to express that there's no perfection here. This is, um, you know, elevation in process, self-evolution in process. And I think that's even my brother and I grow, we are now on both taking a class. He comes over to my house. I clear my big desk off and my home office. We sit together and we're in this international life coaching um, educational program together. And we, we keep building and growing. We never settle. We, we, um, I write about this a little bit about the state of constriction and um, I very much, um, in all honesty, don't like it. It feels very foreign to me. And yet so much of what we experience in life is in a state of constriction. We narrow everything in um, for ourselves, our family, our work environments, and just the way we look at humanity. It's very tunnel visioned. And the science of empowerment is all about expansion and of self and one another. And you really, when you, when you live this yourself, it naturally extends out and it's, it's, you offer it and not everyone is going to be willing or accepting because of where they are in the moment. But then you also have this beautiful awareness to, okay, I offered, it's not their time and you move on. And I'm wondering how this plays out in your book, because to me, sort of like the nemesis of empowerment is when we have a lack of self-trust and how we often put so much trust in, or we want to put so much trust in, yeah, the next relationship to save us or uh, the next uh, marketing tool to be the one that is the golden ticket to bring us all our clients. And we're constantly disempowering ourselves by trying to hand our power over to everybody else who we hope we can trust, who we hope will, you know, save us. But at the end of the day, it's really that are we trusting ourselves enough? So I, I want to talk to you about this. What does this resonate? Do you understand where I'm going? How, how does this show up in the book? Oh my God. So we were talking before we went on air about how you and I, you know, we just have this kinship and yeah. one of the words around in, a, in a, a small moment of reflection before we came on together, um, I was brought back to a relationship where I did not trust but it wasn't the relationship. It was the pattern in my life of not trusting myself. And 
it was something that I was hoping we could talk about, but I wasn't sure how it would come out because there isn't a magic formula to teach another human being what it feels like to eat and breathe and sleep in trust. It's something that we have to arrive to. However, there are areas of expertise that we can tap into, a life coach, a book, a class, even a conversation with a friend that allows us to be open to what trust may look like for us. And when we can do that, which we can, even if there's this back end of vulnerability to I don't trust anyone, when we just allow ourselves to glance at it, that begins the opening to trust. Without self-trust, it is a deeper challenge to then trust out into the world. So it's always gonna wrap around for me. It's all about that self-exploration and that self-connectivity, not in an egoic manner, but in a fundamental way of moving through life so we can, again, expand and broaden for humanity. We're all so connected. We are all yes. so connected. Yes. You know, but when you talk about the constriction, what comes up for me is that just, and you talk about how we narrow ourselves in. And I think what happens with trust is that we start to look at trust in, in a way we define trust as where someone is either right or wrong. Um, and there's this conviction of judgment. Somebody has to have blame or judgment. And this is, I believe, where it goes wrong. Because if we could actually look at that and say, my God, look at the consequence of this impossible expectation. How could anyone ever not do anything, quote unquote, wrong? We're human beings. We're going to constantly be I don't even love the word failures, but we're going to have opportunities that we are going to grow. There's going to be stretching assignments all through our life. So when we look at a trust with that definition, we are bound to be unhappy forever, <laughs> right? Well, okay, so if I may. Of course. Um, the way I look at constriction is we have become um, an accumulation of patterns, right? So if you look at great grandparents, grandparents, parents, and then us, we'll just look at it in that way for a moment. We are this outside living entity of what someone else thought. Exactly. Look, sound, flavor, personality, expectations, yeah. goals, and no, no one was wrong. They all did the very best they could at that time with what they had. So I find that the way to move through the trust issue is to release the blame and the judgment of what caused the, tr the trust issue to begin with. Just release it. Even if you are so capable to hone in on the exact moment that trust was not solidified in a positive way, you still have to create a beginning, correct? So if someone is, I'm not trusting, this person taught me not to trust, this environment was so unsafe and I followed that through my life, 
I still would look at them and say, okay, let's honor that experience. And how, we, how may we begin something different for you? What would trust look like for you? And I find that, again, the vulnerability and the opening up to the willingness to just take small steps, talking to a friend, reading a book, taking a quote, any, any movement towards what trust can look like for you. And understanding that if you don't have a lot of trust, you're going to create what trust will mean for you in the future. And that's a very powerful place to be because you can create it to be what it is for you. You can use what it is not as the mechanism for what it will be. I if love that. that. Makes any sense. It makes <laughs> complete sense. Now, let me ask you to get vulnerable for our audience because you're talking about these out outdated patterns. Um, you've yes. mentioned this quite a few times. And for the audience that's familiar with my language, I always talk about it in limiting beliefs, but I believe they're very similar, right? Absolutely. Okay. So would you mind getting vulnerable with us and sharing, you had mentioned, you know, that during the wedding, your brother was crying and he was like, it's time. And you had said that you had some of these dysfunctional patterns. What was that for you? And what were the simple steps that you took? to really out overcome it. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm, I think the, one of the unique things about who I am as a human being that brings vulnerability to others is I really did grow up in a lot of dysfunction, um, plain and simple. And I could have gone, you know, many other ways and I, I did not. So there's hope for everyone to really um, discover your passion and your purpose, as I said, any time in your life. So when my brother and I were talking, um, and it was so funny, my dad came up to me and he said, you better go see your brother pretty quickly because he's, he's really emotional. And I hadn't even walked down the aisle yet with my mom <laughs> and my dad. They walked me down to my brother. And that was out of respect for um, my brother's biological father and my stepfather who raised me also. So very close family, but you know, there was some separation there. So when Christopher and I had a moment to speak about this, it allowed me to um, go into that part of me that started the process of what it felt like to not think about self anymore and think about someone else in a very profound way, not just in oh, you know, I can buy the person um, at the Dunkin' Donuts, you know, their coffee for me, behind me kind of thing. It really hit me that I have the opportunity as a human being to meet someone halfway and to build from that halfway point, which kind of wraps back around to that forgiveness and that vulnerability of no matter what the story had been, we had an opportunity for newness and beginnings. And I really looked at that and, and it was a vulnerable time. I, I had cried many moments after the wedding, thinking about the vulnerability that my brother showed me to look at me and say, I need you and it's time. And that allowed me to feel needed and to step up into a place within myself that again was pretty much in that narrowed constriction place. You know, we all have coping mechanisms 
and I had a lot of them. And this allowed me to start the venture into the science of empowerment, into starting to train at the neuromuscular training facility with my brother. And now I am the Jekyll Tens instructor. So that's the, I'm going to say the introductory into what it is to train like a gymnast, even though it's, we don't, we're not gymnasts, we're normal people. It's every day. I have 11 year old up to a 65 year old, but it allowed me at this point in my life to tap into something new and exciting and not be afraid to let go and to just become something different and something all brand new. And I find that so many of us really think that by becoming vulnerable, we have to um, kind of move into this space and almost stay tethered to it. To me, vulnerability is a beautiful place to visit and to let it become a part of the imprint of this life experience. But I chose to use vulnerability as a springboard to self-evolution. And that's what I have done. And that's what I try to impart to anyone I come across. But you still haven't told us what your pattern was. So I'm not letting you off the hook. I know. <laughs> well, because the patterns are so kind of deep in the way I functioned in life. Mm. So the patterns were, you know, relationship to relationship, trying to fit the square peg into the round hole, trying to make someone else match what I knew I could be, but yet I wasn't. Always looking for the outside to serve me to create something where it really falls upon self to serve self first. So the vulnerability for me came to realizing and acknowledging that I spent the first half of my life trying to force something on the outside to make me feel different on the inside. And it wasn't until I made the decision to journey within and take full accountability for what I participated in that the vulnerability was able to then be that springboard. It was a personal journey of vulnerability. And I had to really look at some of the hardships and the challenges and how I handled them. And I, the difference is, I, for me, I didn't allow them to weigh me. I used the observation as a removal. That's how I, I really chose vulnerability for me. Well, thank you for sharing. And before we started recording, we both knew that we were going to have endless things to talk about and I can resonate. And what, you know, this is so important because I feel like it does a, a full circle loop back to that whole trust and it's that self-trust and in, in, and so many people dislike because there's this um, stigma around the word codependency, but in essence, that is what it is. However, I actually, the more people I coach, the more women that I talk to, um, even men, it's, it's almost impossible to not become codependent in today's society. It's, it's almost the journey of us to, part of life is to go through this to realize where we are really needing to stand on our own and, and in our own power and our own unique righteousness, you know? And so it's a, a, a wonderful share and thank you so much. 
And what it sounded like to me, and, and this is what I, I think is so important for everyone listening to hear, is that we often need this nudge. And your brother was the nudge. For me, it was my husband. Yeah. You know, And so it's that person that's willing to say to you, I see something greater for you because I know it exists. And so to your point, it's listening and not allowing that to scare you and to be willing enough to say, oh, you see that? I don't see it yet, but I trust you and I trust myself enough to explore it. Let's go. Absolutely. And I really do believe that there's some part of our intuition that we know it all along, but yet we just find ourselves living out these, these playouts of what I call outdated patterning because you can have a boyfriend and you leave that boyfriend and you have your new boyfriend and there you are again. You could move to a different state and there you are again. You could not talk to this person or change your hair, your weight, your, the way you dress and there you are again. We are, we're the common denominator in all of this. And I really believe that if I could look back at my younger self, I really would have said, and I'm bringing this back, trust what you know and follow that rather than try to dress it up and rework it because all this other stuff was in the way. Mm-hmm. And really had I had the ability, which for many of us, we don't when we're young, had I had that ability to remove again, the shiny objects, and really fundamentally look at the brilliance and the genius of what we are born into and of, I would have been a different human being. Well, let me, I want to focus on that for a second. This is a really important topic. Break the patterns of how we raise our children. So as a mama, yourself, Tell everyone how this has shown up in your parenting. What shifts did you like challenge yourself on? Oh, wow. This is, this is days long for this answer. (laughs) So I did not have the beautiful experience of getting pregnant and carrying babies in my belly because I found my love much later in life. And he already had two amazing little girls. The four of us became a family very fast. Um, Biological mother is what that is. So my daughters became mine right away. And they were five and seven. Well, yeah, four and seven when I met them. And then a year later, we all became a family and moved in. So I didn't have the luxury of really preparing for what motherhood would look like for me. It's very different. Um, I think bringing a child into this world and guiding a child through this world, because I just can't imagine, you know, the birthing and all of that is very, very powerful and unique. So I had to work on what connectivity to these children would be for me because I didn't wasn't connected to them inside. I didn't, you know, born them into the world. I thought that was going to be an issue, but it wasn't. The second day I was with my little one, um, we were swimming in a pool in Florida and she looked right at me and wrapped her arms around my neck and called me mama. 
And I had then, yes, I had then told my husband that I was going to have a very powerful relationship with my young one. We still do. She's now 17. So hang in there, everyone. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you it gets easier. But it is amazing. <laughs> one, yeah, she's, she's, oh boy. One of the things I write about in the science of empowerment is to ask yourself, why are you bringing another human being into this world? What is your reasoning for really having a child? Because so many of us get wrapped up in the pattern of it. I need to get married, fall in love, have the house, have the babies, and then it, it blows off from there too. The style of it, the, the outside, you know, again, all the shininess and you know, how we want it to look and feel and, and all of that that comes into it and dressing them up and all of that stuff. But no one ever really looks and thinks, what am I going to do with this human being? What is my, my place in their life? And how do I create value and infuse them with purpose and passion for their journey through? And how do I do that without that becoming a pattern or a forced projection. So I write about this a little bit in the book and I put this into practice every day, even today between neuromuscular training, working with another client and getting ready for my time with you. I had this intense conversation with my 20 year old because she is not quite following the path that we would like for her. So it is a challenge to love and offer that support while she's learning to express, but also knowing that if you do it this way, these are some of the probabilities that are headed your way. And you just have to let them go at that point. Now for the little, little ones, when my children were little, and we still do, we work the principles every day in the house and we work. Very simply, are you negative, positive, or neutral? I know where they are even before I ask because we all live together, but it gives them an opportunity to recalibrate very quickly. I'm negative, I'm sorry, I'm having a bad day. Can we talk about it? I'd like to share it or not now, mama, later. <laughs> and that's what teenage world is, I'm good. So I think if I had a real teeny little one right now, First, I would teach them the five principles if they understand language at the moment. And then I would teach them that you are powerful. And even at four or five or seven or 10, you are in the power seat of choice, negative, positive, neutral, not right, wrong, incorrect, good, bad, shame on you, no, negative and negative is okay. It's okay for a moment but let me teach you what neutral feels like and how neutral is cool because then you can pop up into positivity. You can do that with your classmates. You can do that with your siblings. You can do that with mom and dad. And I've been, I've, I've been in practice with this with some younger kids and it is amazing. And my brother Christopher has done it with athletes and bringing um, the awareness to the money and the cost and the sacrifice of parents bringing them into the training facility and going all over the, you know, the, sometimes the world and competing and to be grateful and teach that gratitude. And that's a positive state. So 
it's a little bit of how I work the J3 equals E and the science of empowerment material into our youth and really um, into asking the growing ups in the room, which is why I asked them to read the book first. I've had a few growing ups that are like, oh, I need to get this book for my younger. And, and, and really the age group is more junior, senior high school level on. Um, a side note, I am creating two more books. And one of them is an anti-bullying book using the principles and the formula for more middle school, early high school, and then my children's book. Um, and I already have the vision and all of that. And it will be very simple, but it's teaching negative, positive, neutral, which energy are you? And you I love it. Choice. I so love it. Yes. And as growing ups, right? We have the choice. So when we find ourselves in a negative state of mind, a negative reaction, a negative interaction, immediately, boom, you run through the principles, you choose that respite, that quiet assessment of neutrality, and then we have a better chance on really recalibrating that into a positive state. You can use this everywhere. But one of the things you raised, and I think are super, super important, it's actually one of the reasons, and my audience knows this, I've written about it, why we chose to come back to Europe, is that it's the education system. Um, and I really truly believe that we need more of these things taught from an early age. And so just something as simple as, I mean, I know in, in, in Los Angeles, which is where I was living prior, I was doing work in Beverly Hills with a community group. And we actually used the choice model by William Glosser. And we did, it's a little different, but it's sort of similar to the positive, negative, neutral. And we were approved and given permission, but a lot of budget cuts were taking us out of the school. And the teachers were upset and the kids were upset because it was their favorite time of day where they actually got to talk about feelings and connecting with one another and getting to understand what's going on with all of these things in my body. And, and, and so it's, it's really powerful stuff. Have you considered partnering with some education um, schools on the content? Yes, it's, it's a driving passion of mine. And I'm at the beginning of all this on my book just was released in October. And so it's all brand new. But yes, I, I want this to be in the school system, in the educational system. Um, a nod to you know the social movement that was one of my boxes I checked to really redesign what education looks like we are not educating our youth to be human beings they really mm -hmm. are being educated to become an output of someone else's input and in all honesty it drives me crazy because we're just not we're not becoming a global community of elevation. We are becoming a global community of constriction. And back to that word, it's in politics, it's in education, it's in religion. It's even how COVID is being dealt with. It's this constant pulling back and narrowing rather than the expansion of redesigning present condition something comes in. Why do we not have a team in government, in religion, in education, in politics that goes right to work, task force immediately, recalibrating, a recalibration team. And these are the steps that are in place. We just keep repeating the same old 
stuff and it's just not getting us anywhere yeah. but there are shakers and movers and in your audience there's all these incredibly beautiful powerful women and their partners and their spouses and we're all starting to figure out how can we really change the world and add value mm -hmm. i do bring it back though to the beginning i would love if every day you know i grew up saying the pledge of allegiance so let's just say that is an outdated way of beginning of school now there's just too many people that have thoughts about that okay how about if we went in and we took a moment and the teacher said okay today we are in the power seat negative positive neutral how are you going to choose your experience today and we did that every day for a quick moment and gave the students the option of why would i go through my day negatively i can be neutral and cool but i can also be positive and have positive impact something as simple as that yeah. so yes if there's any educational geniuses out there that would like to create something with me i would love to collaborate because this is the only way i can get this information out is by you granting me this honorable time to speak and working the book sales and everything social media and you know how this goes just by talking and speaking and allowing people um, to start working it in their family because then they tell someone and then they tell someone and then all of a sudden i know a principal i mean i have principals and guidance counselors reading this book i have the sergeants of my police force in the hometown i have you know entrepreneurial engineers of every style and level reading it. Uh, Christopher, my brother is already moving into the corporate end. Same feeling, but different. I'm now starting to create corporate leadership talks. Um, and it's all for this reason to bring it down to this fundamental truth. We are empowered beings and let's give each other the space and the time to really work this together and not so much, you know, breaking it all and fragmenting it all apart. I, I love it. Well, I certainly, I have taken away a lot, but one of my favorite nuggets that I know I'll be implementing right away with my little ones is the positive, negative, neutral. I think it's so simple and something I have a four and a half year old and a 21 month old, and both of them would get it immediately. Yes. So I feel like it spans ages but it's also something so easy for me and my husband to, to be able to check in with each other and not have a blowout because we weren't checking in. So it's a brilliant concept. So mm -hmm. kudos to you and Chris. And thank you. you know, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And I guess as a last question, um, God, there's so many things that I would love to ask you. So we might have to do a part two, but you know, I think one of the, the, the challenges that I often see with many boss mamas is that they forget to prioritize themselves. And so I would love to, I can, this has been one of my missions over the last year is to really encourage people to just spend even five, 10 minutes a day on themselves. And so what, you know, I would love to know and share with the audience what your daily practice looks like. Do you have one? What do you do? How do you give yourself time so that you do come out positive. 
So this is a loaded question and it's one that um, I've been working on. I right now am working a 16 to 18 hour day, seven days straight. And that's not an exaggeration. I am a workhorse like you and many of the boss mamas out there. And I am having a bit of a challenge and it's only because so much is happening right now all at once, but it is exhilarating and I am like full force into it. However, I listened to a podcast uh, just recently that you did and it was about that self-care and how the body starts to let you know, I'm burnt out, something's wrong. And I love your two day stay in the hotel because I say this to my husband all the time. And he is very French and very European. And he is like, baby, go anytime you would like. But I'm like, I can't, I have things to do. So I am really focusing on starting to get a massage once a week and or a pedicure. And these are very big things for me because I don't really have the time to get up and out and do it, but I'm going to. And I used to study Tai Chi and meditate in yoga and all the beautiful things you do before you are a mother and a wife and creating business. So I, I'm a real live living example of the hectedness and the hurriedness to the audience, but I'm also saying that I am working on self-care and little by little. So one of my goals uh, over the last few weeks that was brought to my attention was to allow myself 10 minutes to have a cup of tea because I make my tea, but then I find it cold somewhere throughout the house. So to sit, have a cup of tea and just let the sun hit on my face or if it's a snowy day, whatever it is, quiet, drink my tea and then begin my day. So that is what I'm starting to do. <laughs> I love the honesty and I, and I know that everybody listening can relate. Beautiful. Well, Laura, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And, you, you know, I really encourage everyone out there to go and buy the science of empowerment. Um, the principles sound amazing. And, you know, I myself am looking forward to reading it. And I just want to say thank you for, you know, doing what you do and taking that leap of faith and going after what was in your heart. And um, I also want to say thank you, Chris. Uh, you guys seem like such a powerful couple in business and a brother and sister combo. So it's, it's absolutely magical. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone, we hope that you got a lot out of today and that there were some things that resonated and that perhaps even you wanted to put into place. So um, Laura, where can everyone find you or, or reach out to you? Yep. So if you go to www.thescienceofempowerment.com, you will find me in there There's and go to the website and there's some podcasts and blogs and there's an about the page of the science of empowerment that gives you a, a little glance and you can order the book. You can personally reach out to me once you order the book, if you have a question and just the book is amazing. It is life transformative and I really hope everyone will order it. It will just add another layer of depth and beauty to your life. 
Amazing. And I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes, ladies. So thanks again for tuning in and leave us a comment and a rating. Let us know what you appreciated. And um, until the next episode of Boss Mama's Mindset, I'm sending you lots of love, light, and imagination. Take care.